Welcome to another episode of Brain Bus. Today we've got Jack Resider, the pseudonymous host of Darknet Diaries, where he explores the world of hackers, cyber criminals, and spies. It's the number four tech podcast in the world and one of my favorite shows out there. I hope you enjoy our conversation about anonymity, crime, and the internet. All right, cool. So I've been listening to the show for quite a while. Uh, I guess right. maybe four or five, six months now. Um, so big fan. It's gotten me through some nice dog walks. Hell yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, I guess the first first question um, why go the pseudonymous route? Uh, you're the second pseudonymous person I have on the podcast. Um, oh, man. Yeah. The internet's in a scary place. There's uh, <laughs> crooks, thieves, you know, stalkers, every kind of thing. You don't want to, you don't want to put, I mean, there's already like enough companies out there trying to get as much information as you can, such as marketing companies. They want to know everything about you. And I don't want to like, just leave that out there in the open. And so, you know, even beyond the, the surface of people just having ill intent and doing stuff, um, yeah, there's all kinds of extra stuff. So I, I, it's not just, you know, the public figure, but it's all the other things in between, right? It's um, keeping my name out of databases and my information's secure and stuff like that. So like, I will shop with cash if I can at stores so that they don't connect me, my profile to a credit card, which then they start building you know, information on what kind of things I'm buying and, and send me coupons in the mail of what I might want to buy next and stuff, you know? So there's a, there's, it's just a battle. And I think like in the nineties, we, uh, we might've like wrecked the environment a little with like oil spills and all kinds of bad problems. And it's taking us decades to get that back under control. And I think currently we're doing a similar thing with privacy where we're just wrecking everyone's privacy and it'll be the next generation that has to like say what did we do let's get that back under control so i'm trying to stay fight the battle understood yeah i uh think about that with my little brother and sister seeing like photos of them on the internet since before they could like be okay with that you know Mm -hmm. it's uh i mean i'm not a father yet but i know that must be a confusing uh choice for some people yeah that's a that's another pet peeve of mine yeah um so i i write a newsletter called wellness tech bi-weekly where i talk about you know, wearables and that kind of stuff. Um, have you thought or, or seen any stuff when it comes to keeping wearable data secure and and what uh, how that works? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a really difficult balance because a lot of these require you to turn on all this extra stuff. Well, it doesn't work unless you have GPS enabled on your phone or or Bluetooth enabled and all this stuff and 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 like it's it's just too much. And, but you're like, but I like the features. So I'm, I'm okay with doing that. And now you've got like GPS all the time on your phone when I don't like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I do have, I do. It's not like, oh, I can, let's just do a look for the best uh, wearable. I have to like do that secondary search of like which one collects the least amount of data. And it's very difficult to cut through. Yeah. Yeah. How did you start getting into this um, or getting into you know, security, have you always, um, has that always been your view? Uh, no, I think just tech in general has been my um, place in life. I've gone to university and got a bachelor's degree in computer science and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I, I was, you know, an engineer at a company and they said, hey, we, or I was a technician at a company and um, 
IT technician. And they're like, well, we have an engineering position open. And I was like, oh, sign me up. I'm there. And they're like, but it's security engineering. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Uh, but yeah, sign me up. I want to be an engineer. It's been my lifelong goal. Uh, so they said, okay, we think you can figure it out. So they put me in the role. And uh, yeah, that's when I had to figure out like what security is. But it really fit perfectly because, you know, having a degree, you kind of learn one, you take one class on every bit of inf of every bit of technology out there, right? There's one class on coding in C, one class on coding assembly, one class on coding Java, and it just goes on and on, right? Um, and so uh, when, when it came to like learning about security, I was like, you kind of have to know a little bit about everything. And I was like, I do know a little bit about everything. I don't know a lot about one thing, but I know a little about everything. So it just fit everywhere. I, I, it was like, wow, all the things I've worked on in my life just are making sense now where I need this little piece of information that I learned 10, 15 years ago to uh, it makes sense now on why this computer is acting this way or something, right? So yeah, once I got that security engineering position, um, it was just, I, I fell in love with the space. Got you, got you. And how'd you start Darknet Diaries? How'd you go down that path? Well, I've always wanted to make something online, a website, a video series. I don't know. I just want to have that like itch to create and build. <laughs> and there's a lot of opportunity on the internet. So I'm like, this, I need to be doing something. So I've always been like throwing out websites or building tools or uh, putting stuff out there. And uh, I had been blogging for like seven years uh, before uh, making a podcast. And then, um, yeah, but I was really into podcasts and I was trying to like get people to make this particular podcast, uh, you know, where we get into the, it's like a true crime, cyber crime podcast, where we're going to listen to the whole story of like who the hacker was, what they did, what, how they got caught, what their prison time was, and then where they are today or something, you know, like this, this whole story and that just didn't exist and i was like i really want to hear that and uh i made one episode and was like crap i've got to make this somebody else is <laughs> going to make it so uh is the one was liked and um yeah i guess i made it for myself just because i wanted to hear it and uh yeah it just took off so got you so after listening to your show i talked to friends and um tried going on the dark web and i found some cool books uh if you've heard of the author Venkatesh Rao, he was like big, on, I don't know why, but he, his books were all over the place um, from some library. Um, it was a long time ago, but um, what, what advice do you have for people who want to like kind of explore that side of the internet, stay safe and um, stay all, all good? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you're going on the dark web, you're, you're sort of anonymizing yourself mm -hmm. Um and so you don't want to go on there and then de-anonymize yourself by like <laughs> logging into Facebook and Twitter and all this kind of stuff, because that might be enough to, you know, identify you like, oh, we know who this connection is because they're logged into here and something like that. Right. So if you want an anonymous version of yourself, you can go through Tor, which is the, the dark web to, to achieve that. And uh, you can even come out of Tor and go back to the, to the clear web as kind of like it, you look like you're coming from Tor anonymously and stuff like that, right? So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tool that's used to anonymize yourself. And um, what can that be used for, right? Well, criminals can well, obviously like the anonymity 
and there's lots of criminal behavior on there. But I mean, there's whistleblowers that use it in order to, you know, get their information out there in the world in an anonymous manner. And um, yeah, just people who feel, you know, may feel threatened or their, their um, internet is not so safe where they are. And so they can go through that in order to uh, get that extra level of security and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a tool that can be used for all kinds of different things. Got you, got you. And um, so I've heard you mention a few different apps to be able to communicate with people, like uh, I think Signal is it called? Um, are there any that, that you recommend? Uh, is that one of them? Yeah, I mean, if you're texting someone, those messages, I think, um, can be sniffed, uh, you know, over the network pretty easily. And so it's not the most secure thing to do, especially if, you know, I think carriers can see all that stuff as well. And right. And so you don't want secure messages to be picked up in route. Um, so what you can do is use a end to end communication tool, such as signal, which acts just like a text message app. Um, it looks exactly the same. You can make phone calls, everything, except it's end-to-end -end encrypted. So the people at Signal, the carriers in between, the routers in between cannot see what's going on in your encrypted messages because only the receiver can decrypt it and not, nothing in between. So yeah, uh, Signal is a great one. Uh, Wire is something I use. Uh, and there's some others. Got you. And um, I saw your tweet the other day. Um, you know, what if I told you the metaverse is a time, not a place? I've been thinking about that kind of thing a lot lately. Mm. I feel like we're already in a metaverse. You and I are in one right now. There's multiple, there's billions, you know, of options. The mm -hmm. Zoom metaverse, the Twitter metaverse, whatever. Um, but, I, you know, I hadn't thought much about the time. Um, could, you, could you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people seem to think that Facebook is making the metaverse and they're marketing it in a certain way and it's some sort of VR world. And I don't agree with that. I think the metaverse is like the VR plays a minor role in the metaverse, similar to how websites play a minor role on the internet, right? There's all these protocols that are going on um, such as text messaging, right? Or like through Signal, that's not even a website. That's just sending messages between you and someone else that's going over the internet, right? So there's tons of stuff that is happening online that's not a website. And so there's tons of stuff in the metaverse that's happening that's not VR. So what, um, what, what I was tweeting was like, you know, I think the metaverse is a, is a place where we can, where our most uh, endeared and mem you know, most important memories come from like digital experiences. Um, I fell in love with someone over a dating app. I spend a lot of entertainment. Uh, I get a lot of entertainment through online video games and streaming shows. And I um, go to work entirely online, right? Like all my work is done online. And so if I'm spending like all this time online, that's like in some digital world. And it's already like, I'm already plugged in and tuned into this digital world. So that, that's kind of what my tweet was trying to say is like, look, you're already doing the most important things of your life online. And I think that's what I would call the metaverse is just something that is just so meaningful to us and feels so real and it's so important to us, yet it's still in this digital world. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I was trying to get across.
Yeah, definitely understood. Um, I was listening to the Lex Friedman podcast with Mark Zuckerberg the other day. Yeah, and, I kind of. I think that's where I got some of these thoughts from. Yeah, exactly. I was. Oh, I was having such weird thoughts after that. Um, yeah, Lex asked him, "When when do you think the majority of our important experiences will be in the metaverse?" And Zuck kind of danced around the question. Um, and it's it's just interesting to think about. Like, you know, I I already. I spend so much time online and all my writing, like that's meaningful time to me, you know, all these conversations, podcasts, that's meaningful time. And I think about friends that I've only met on Twitter or phone calls the same way I think about friends that are in my town. You know, it's, it's wild. Like I, um, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But and I mean, what, what, what I'm trying to say here is like, if we step back and look at where we are digitally, we're already in some sort of metaverse kind of world. And, you know, when we say metaverse, where the, the, t- coin, the term was coined from uh, Neil, is, is the, the book Snow Crash, I think it was Neil Stevenson that wrote that. And um, it's similar to Ready Player One, where you can go into this digital world and do jobs, uh, rob people, like all these kind of things, right? Have these adventures, go on these video games. And, and like, that's kind of what the metaverse is in, in science fiction. But I mean, if we just, uh, that was 20, 30 years ago that he wrote that book. No, it was for, uh, 40 years, more, more maybe, right? That was, it was seventies, I think. So um, yeah, I mean, if we just look at like what we're doing today with our computers, we're practically in the metaverse. It's practically here. And it's not some marketing term or something that's coming in the future. Um, it's already it's already here. Now, now what is Web3 and how are things you know, changing into the crypto landscape and NFTs and VR? Well, that's, uh, I think, a totally different topic than people saying that the metaverse is some evil dystopian future. Like, dude, we're already in this. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Um, what are your thoughts on crypto in general? Well, I guess I, that's a very broad question. Sorry. Yeah it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a broad question, but I mean, like we can start with, I think our, our banks and stocks are pretty much all digital now, right? So you don't, when you buy a stock, you don't really pay with cash and get a stock certificate in your hand. Um, you use some sort of digital money to go to a website, click a few buttons, and then it says, okay, you have a stock, this many stocks in this company. And you just kind of really all your name, your name is just in a database somewhere. Now it's regulated by the SEC and oversight and all this kind of stuff, but you know, not much difference is in your bank. When you open a bank account and you're, you know, you work somewhere, a check gets deposited. It's all digital. It's not anything you really see anymore. And so if we're in such a deep digital world that all this stuff is happening digitally, then it makes sense to have like a digital uh, money that's more digital friendly, that's not owned by some central authority. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just more open. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of where, where I am with crypto. I think it's exciting to see the, I mean, I think that's the hardest part of Web3 is to be able to wrestle the money, uh, you know, control out of the, uh, the corporate elite's hands and, and shady government's hands and say, yeah, it's now owned by the people. We own the money. And if we can get that done, which has been done, um, yeah, then uh, the sky's the limit on what, what the potentials are there. Got you. Have you participated in any DAOs or any NFT projects of the sort? Yeah, I mean, the first NFT I, I bought was a friend's project, right? Somebody who's benefited me so many times in my life that they're like, well, I've got this NFT. And I'm like, you, sign me up. I w- will be happy to uh, support you in whatever project you're working on because you've 
you know, greatly improved my life. And so that's happened a few times where different friends have launched projects. And of course, I'm going to be there for them. So, I mean, that's the first like easiest way to get into NFTs is when you're supporting a creator you, or a friend you like, and you want to, uh, you know, be there for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I got going in there. And then, you know, a couple other reasons to get into NFTs is to try to make some money and stuff. And so that's happened a few times where I, I bought something and tried to resell it for hire and it worked. And uh, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I mean, I think the precursor to this is you could ask me, did you ever get involved in the Wall Street Bets subreddit, you know, and, and get some stocks to the moon? And yes, I have like, and I thought, and so far I've made no money off that, right? So I've bought all these different crazy things that this subredditor, you know, <laughs> subreddit's going crazy about. They're like, oh, you got to buy this one share. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And yeah, it goes down. And I have not had any success at all out of Wall Street bets. Um, however, I've had great success in NFTs. So it's one of those weird, risky, only only put in what you are can afford to lose kind of investment strategies. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I would recommend anyone until you've got some some money to burn, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. It's more uh, of a gamble, both, both Wall Street bets and NFTs, I would say, is more of a gamble than an investment. Yeah. I guess uh, a question, does Jackery Sider have a pseudonym as well? Mm. Definitely. I've got lots of different Twitter accounts, Reddit accounts, you name it. Yeah. I kind of had a feeling. Nice. nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess another question, uh, Russia. Um, you know, uh, you tweeted earlier, or was it yesterday? Oh, that, yeah, that's today. Um, yeah, most of the time when Russia uh, goes for a cyber attack, they'll try to deny it. And now they just might not. Like, what is, what are your thoughts on that? And um, is there anything to worry about? Uh, or, or is it not uh, for the average person? Uh, I mean, I, nations have hacked nations for many years, right? Decades. And they've never like admitted to it. Um, like, okay, yeah, we're the ones who hacked you. They always hide. They never come out. And I always imagine, like, if there is such a thing as a cyber war, like they're like a regular war, you would have a country saying, look, we're going to attack you digitally. And if you don't do this thing, then, you know, we're going to fire our missile, our, our cyber missile at you or whatever the case may be, right, and destroy your thing. And then, uh, you know, whatever the terms aren't met, and then say, okay, we warned you, we're going to bring down your internet. And, you know, another country doing that. Um, I always just imagined if there was a cyber war, it would be, yes, we're the ones who did this. And this is the reason why we, you know, bombed you digitally. And I, I just don't, I, I don't know if that's going to happen in this. I mean, we, we really haven't had a good war that has waged both, you know, kinetically and in the cyberspace um, kind of in the last few decades where you would see that kind of thing. Um, and so here's a case where we do know that Russia is invading Ukraine and, and I, I'm assuming they're coming out in the open and saying, yeah, those are our helicopters, those are our tanks, and we are attacking you for these reasons. Um, and so if they're you know, going to say that, that, yeah, we're, this is all of our stuff, Russia's, Russia's the one doing this and that's us or whatever, you know, then I assume that if they're going to be doing some cyber attacks, why wouldn't they want to also take credit for that? You know, what, that, that's a weird thing. Now in the past, Russia's done things like 
knocked a Ukrainian airplane out of the sky and then took like no like they didn't even like and and you know that was I I don't remember exactly how it was knocked out of the sky I think it might have been attacked with kinetic weapons but uh, you know they they denied it they're like no it must have been you know wet, bad weather or something like that I mean, we never even saw that plane in our in our skies or whatever like they they just absolutely denied it and so this is a case where i don't think they're denying that they're going to war here so it's it's just something that i was thinking about i guess yeah yeah back to back to love um <laughs> not to sound like lex freeman for a minute but you said you fell in love uh on the internet um you know i've used dating apps myself but i've never had to um i don't know like how did you start telling people or people you were dating about your work like breaking the anonymity is that is that a difficult thing mm. yeah yeah it is a weird thing you know to to kind of let people in on your on your world yeah i haven't really like been able to navigate that nicely yet because even even when i meet you know new people and stuff i don't like to tell them what i do it's weird <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I must imagine, like, I already kind of feel weird sometimes saying, like, I create a podcast or I, you know, whatever, but um, there's definitely another layer to it uh, when, when it's pseudonymous, you gotta, you gotta be careful who you trust, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I haven't, I'm not getting used to it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your podcast is kind of blown up in the last few years, right? Yeah, it's about uh, 400,000 downloads per episode. Wow. And um, I feel like I've seen you post about this. What's the best way to tell the downloads? I just go to the um, hosting provider and mm. they'll show you. Gotcha. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you ever, have you gone down like the survivalism or survivalist rabbit hole? Yeah. Like prepping and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. It's important to uh, have a plan and, to be prepared for certain situations. I mean, right now we're in a, a pandemic situation and at least in my town, the uh, hospital's filled up. And if you get sick or hurt, chances are you, they might not be able to accept you. And whenever you're in a situation where the um, uh, you know, help is not available, whether it's the police, the firefighters or the medics, they just cannot help you when you're in a you know, serious situation then that I think is the definition of we're in a uh, disaster. <laughs> and so it's weird that we're becoming kind of complacent and it doesn't feel like a disaster at times. It just feels like normal life, but um, yeah, this is a disaster scenario. And so what do you do in that situation where you can't um, rely on help? You gotta help, figure it out for yourself. And I like to be prepared for that. Got you, got you. Um, do you have, what is it? A um... What's a bag called? Like a, a go bag. bag? Yeah, yeah. Go bag. Oh, yeah. I've got, I've got a few. I've got a few at different parts of the, uh, you know, one in the car, one in, one at one side of the house, one that one's well, the other side depends on you know what happens. I'll be able to uh, grab that and go and stuff. Nice, nice. I kinda... what if, what, uh, yeah. What if like the house collapses on one side and you're stuck in a room or something? <laughs> you know, I've got like water stashed in every room. Oh, that's fair. I have water stashed in my car. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like. Uh, I have a dog, as you could probably see him jumping up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I feel like uh, got to figure out how to keep him safe too. That's a that's a big one. I um, yeah. 
Yeah, from where it looks or from how I imagine it, you would be in like a bat cave right now. Some cool. Yeah, I want to build a bunker. Yeah. I think that would be really the best, but. Mm. Got you, got you. I'm Um, not going to do it anytime soon, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are there any um, uh, journalists or, or news stories that you or news outlets rather that you think are trustworthy right now? Um, or, or what, uh, what do you like to read for fact? And that's a hard question. This is really difficult. Um, even the ones who are the most trustworthy are falling on their face sometimes mm-hmm. and they're doing things, they're saying things They have links to articles that are just absolute garbage. Uh, and you know, some of it is like, well, we need to make, we need to pay the bills. And so we've got ads on the side of our site and yeah, those ads, go to really bad places and it's like uh, um yeah it's 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 this is i think the biggest problem probably that we're going to face is cutting through the uh the false stuff and finding the truth um if we can't agree on the truth then we can't agree on the solution and if we can't agree on the solution we're not going to have things fixed Uh, our problems are just going to fester so this is a big problem this is something i can't figure out um yeah even if i say do your own research you're gonna you're still gonna come up with a different uh you know conclusion than i am on because of the of the way algorithms are presenting data to you what terms you're looking for all this kind of stuff yeah yeah so how do you when you're talking to sources and 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 people about hacks for the podcast how do you make sure what you know is real yeah i mean I try to adhere to like journalistic standards and stuff. Um, So I will, you know, I will ask about stories that I'm already familiar with. Right. So I I have a degree in computer, you know, engineering and stuff like this. So if they start telling me that they're doing this one thing and I'm like, well, that's not possible. Then, you know, that's my first red flag. Um, So is this first of all, in the realm of possibilities of, of where I understand the world? Uh, second, because I mean, when you're when you're covering a hacker story, if there's a, a news outlet that doesn't understand hacking at all, they're just going to be like, "Oh my gosh, you're like the smartest guy in the world, really." And 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 I can see right through that and say, "You you just downloaded a tool and hit go. Like you're not even a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like this is the most pathetic hack I've ever heard." And I'll, I'll say that to people. They're like, "Yeah, you're right. It was pretty easy and stupid that this was uh, you know doable." And that's it's kind of fun to just you know make sure that that's how I understand it is 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 a stupid easy, um, yeah. So I mean that's kind of the first thing, and the next thing is I'm going to research any other articles you know news related. Um, my favorite is like court cases, right? Because that's where the truth can try to come out the most is you know if they go to court and sort it out. Um, you know, so any any backing up evidence or corresponding evidence is good but it's it's not unheard of that i call up their family friends you know mom another person who knew them uh connecting with other coworkers and stuff like that and saying uh you know i this is the story i'm trying to corroborate do you think it happened this way or can you tell me how it happened and they give me some extra information so yeah i mean i i do what i can to uh really get to the to the truth of it and the other thing is i'll listen to someone for four hours and and say no i need you to tell me again because i just don't quite understand this part and stuff like that and so um 
you know, when you, when you really listen to someone for that long, you can get a lot more out of what the story is and what really happened um, versus their canned response of like, this is what I want you to hear kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got scared out of hacking because I guess 10th grade, um, I was in a French class editing my teacher or editing on the teacher's laptop working uh, on a project. And I saw the grade book, changed the grade, told to it totally went unnoticed, got the A, but told two friends. And then, you know, a few weeks later, uh, down to the principal's office and, and uh, there were no major consequences, but it definitely uh, scared me straight uh, going, going down that path. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't get a major consequence. That's um, uh, you know, some kids in college have been arrested for that thing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we might want to beep that out of the podcast. But <laughs> yeah, um, is there I've been talking about this with uh, another guy, Jack Reigns earlier, um, just the idea of a fuck you money. Is that something you think about? Or, or uh, do you have a number? Or, or does that or fuck you uh, followers or, or anything. Of sort. Yeah. I think, I think there is something about that where I think at the, be- at the beginning is like having enough money to just kind of fix all the problems in your life. Right. So mm. enough money to make you not go hungry and have a roof over your head, get you health insurance. And it, you know, it solves all your money problems. I think it's kind of the first stage. And that's, that's sort of low. That's just like, I mean, it's not, really low but it's like a hundred thousand maybe i mean the the number that i think daniel kahneman said uh, like 10 years ago was seventy thousand. once you get to seventy thousand dollars in income a year um then getting anything more than that is just not that significant to you it's it doesn't change your quality of life as much because you've got everything solved that you need solved like all your needs are, are are solved um, so now it's just kind of fun after that. And it's kind of difficult to find fun sometimes. But anyway, I think that number has grown. You know, that was a 10-year-old quote. So it's got to be in the 100,000 now, 100, 120,000 maybe a year. And at that point, all your money problems are solved. Um, and so going from there to, well, now I have enough money to just do like spend on some stupid idea and if it doesn't like pan out then i don't really care at all i don't know what that number is but yeah there is there is there is something there that uh you can have enough that it doesn't it doesn't feel like adding more to it is significant yeah for sure for sure um i gotta feed my dog (laughs) he is jumping all over but um yeah i really appreciate your time jack uh and I appreciate your show. Uh, it's like I said, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great entertainment for me. Uh, a friend of mine, um, he, he's like, a, you know, hacker kind of, you know, full tattoo, dark kind of type. Um, uh, and he showed it to me, um, a little while ago and, and he, uh, recently, um, relapsed on, on drugs and shit. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't have him in my life right now as much, but, uh, it's always a nice reminder. So, I appreciate, appreciate what you do, man. That's tough. Yeah. I'm well, I'm glad you like the show. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Bye.